from the operating room to building a tech company, our next guest is determined to fix the fragmented state of the healthcare administrative process so healthcare providers can return to focusing on what they do best, taking care of their patients. Dr. Ian Madame, Chief Strategy Officer of Mockingbird, joins us to discuss why and how he built a CME management platform that automates the process of continuing education requirements and makes license renewal and CME compliance efficient, accurate, and easy. Join us for this passionate discussion with Dr. Madam as he and his team continue their pursuit to innovate the process of ongoing credentialing that will lead to a better, more efficient, and more empowered healthcare industry. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Madame, welcome to our podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Mike. Well, given your passion to create solutions for the fourth pillar of the quadruple aim, improving the healthcare provider experience, I'm really looking forward to this important conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Ian, it's almost time for our community to learn how Mockingbird is simplifying continued medical education for clinicians while leading the way for clinical organizations to promote better well-being and peace of mind. But first, Ian, what is that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world. I think the main thing is to be ready to fight, especially in this industry. There's so many that are entrenched in their way of thinking. Maybe that's because that's where their interests are aligned. Maybe it's just because it's the way we've always done it. I hear that a lot. It's going to be an uphill battle because this is an industry that changes slowly and is usually behind other industries. So my one piece of advice is just get ready to fight and don't give up. Yeah. And there's a lot of forces to fight against, right? I mean, there's a lot of entrenched forces. It's, uh, and, you know, one of the biggest ones that I've seen, Ian, over and over again that I love to go down to the mat and brawl with is status quo, yeah. right? I mean, how much do we have to just fight that alone? I'm sure you see it not only with Mockingbird, with your own practice as a surgeon as well. I mean, constantly, especially with Mockingbird, a lot of times we hear that's the provider's responsibility. And we say, well, why is that? Well, they've always done it that way, right? That's the status quo. And we don't want to take on that responsibility as an organization. But I think that we're starting to see that we're going to really start losing a lot of great people in healthcare unless organizations think a little bit bigger about how to take care of their people. You're teeing it up for a heck of a conversation today, Ian. I cannot wait to talk more about this fight, a fight that's worth going to the mat for every single day as we have an opportunity to move this industry forward. We have to do it together. We have to fight constantly to get there as well. But with that, looking forward to having this conversation after we get back from thinking our community champion sponsor. 
Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Ian Madame, the Chief Strategy Officer of Mockingbird. Ian, so great to have you here today. We have a lot to discuss. Mockingbird now a little over two years old. You guys have been at it. We at Olive actually, we're excited with my day job behind the podcast here. We at Olive are excited about our partnership. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But of course, we have a lot to dig into today. We even just talked about it on the front end, getting in there, getting into the fight to move this industry forward. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. Can't wait to hear more about what's happening today and where things are heading tomorrow. And of course, how we can be helping you and the team out. But first, take us on that founder's journey a little bit, Ian. How did this all come to be in the first place? Where were those aha moments? How did Mockingbird come to life? Yeah, this started from a personal pain point. My co-founder, George Fernane, who's a interventional cardiologist down in New York, he and I met each other in business school at Yale, and we spent a lot of time talking about not trying to complain as doctors, which is our favorite pastime sometimes to do about, oh, woe is me, but really start to think about how some of these problems take us away from the things that we really want to do. I went into uh, medicine. I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon. I want to take care of patients. I want to see them in the office. I want to do surgery. I want to do the patient care things, not all the administrative tasks that just seem to accumulate over time. So it came out of a personal pain point of ours. And so we decided to go ahead and fix it. And it started out with just some research of saying, not assuming that we had the same pain points, maybe we were just docs who like to complain, but we found out through our research that, yeah, a lot of our colleagues felt the same way. So we went out, we built that MVP. We were two docs that didn't know, neither of us know how to code. We knew maybe how to build a couple personas and a roadmap of a product and maybe a couple wireframes. But we went out and got some people together to help us build an MVP and then shopped it around. And once we were able to get some legs under it, we were able to recruit some folks. One of our classmates from Yale who came and built the platform. And then once we were able to raise a little bit of scratch to put some people together as a team, we went to market earlier this year. It was delayed, obviously, the COVID situation. What happened? Yeah, right? I mean, who would have thought that that would have an impact? But it certainly did, not all in a bad way for us, right? As obviously, there's changes that needed to happen in healthcare that COVID ushered in. And so while we were delayed on one side of things with really launching because organizations that we're primarily a B2B service, they're like, we just have no bandwidth right now and no money to do things either. 
but really no bandwidth. It gave us the opportunity to go back, really dig in, get our product to be better than what it was, even provide some additional ideas on what we can really provide people, and then go back out to market in a new environment where telemedicine is a much bigger deal. People have multiple state licenses and want to expand their scope of practice geographically. Organizations are doing this. And the thing that they're all running into and realizing is we need a tool to scale. We can't manage all of this administrative stuff and put more burden on our docs, our nurse practitioners, our PAs, and expect them to get all this done and still be able to take care of patients. Yeah, we're going to unpack all of that in just a moment. I ask you for the elevator pitch. What exactly is Mockingbird? What you guys are achieving in the marketplace, et cetera. But I got two questions I have to ask, Ian. The first one, you mentioned going out there to build the MVP, getting that feedback. There's a lot of phenomenal entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs that tune in. How important was that? And I ask that because you've always been on the other side as a clinician, as a surgeon, as a doctor. People are building these technologies for your use in that capacity. But now here you are on the other side of that table and actually going and building something. How important was it to get you and the team out there to get that feedback for that MVP? So it was really, I thought, a unique opportunity in the sense that we were going out building a platform through the lens of a user, right? We wanted to say, what is this going to be for me, a clinician? Because I feel like there's a lot of things in medicine, but in healthcare but also in a lot of other industries where you focus on either in healthcare would be the patient, maybe in education, it would be the student, right? And then there's solutions that focus on the organization like schools or like the hospital, but people don't focus on the professional or build tools that can help the professional themselves. So when we went out and built the MVP, we said, let's make sure that we are doing this that way, that we're bringing our lens to this so that not from an adoption standpoint, just from UI, UX standpoints, build something that I would want and then go out there and test it, come back, what's wrong with it. We even found out, we built a whole platform, desktop-based platform, and the feedback right away was, wow, you guys, this would be great if it was on my phone. Okay, let's go and build an app now, which is the original thing we didn't want to do because we were like, that's going to be super expensive and tough to do. But If nobody's going to use it, then what's the point of building it? I think that process was eye-opening in how people are changing the way they work. Five years ago, I'm not sure everybody did everything on their phone, but even docs who don't adopt new technology all that quickly as a group are even doing just most things on their phones right now. So moving to a mobile technology, moving to a UI UX that's really built for us as healthcare providers was a valuable experience. And then last question, we're going to dive into Mockingbird right after that. But last question, because I just got to ask it, because I always love when you see clinicians, when you see doctors go to the other side and actually become a tech entrepreneur. Did you know you were going to be a founding tech entrepreneur? Did you have that on the roadmap? No, absolutely not. I love it. What do you think? Well, how's it been? What's it been like? I went to only did a business degree because I wanted to sit at the table with other healthcare leaders and know what the heck I was talking about, right? Be able to look at some financials and know if the wool was being pulled over my eyes. And have a seat at the table. And all of a sudden now I'm in this entrepreneurial role and it has been trial by fire. It has been super exciting and invigorating. It has been some of the biggest defeats that I have felt. 
I have trained, you know, I went through medical school. I went through five years of orthopedic surgery residency. I did a trauma orthopedic fellowship. I did a spine surgery fellowship. I feel like what I have been able to accomplish with the team that we have built is right up there with all of those accomplishments in healthcare. That is how special I feel about this process and how difficult it has been and really how rewarding it has been and continues to be. Mr. Launchwinner, myself, uh, Ian, and the highs are high and the lows can be incredibly <laughs> low, man. And it can be a lonely place as well. You don't know what it's like until you jump into it, but I'm right there with you. The sense of accomplishment and the art of what's possible out of oneself. I had no idea that I had some of the capabilities that entrepreneurship brought out in me and into these companies that I was helping build. So thank you for sharing that because a lot of people want to know what's that like, especially somebody that didn't have it on the roadmap. I feel like it's made me a better leader in my practice, like in the operating room, working with my team, taking care of patients. I've learned a lot in the entrepreneurship realm that I can bring back to my practice and in so many ways, it's been valuable. Well, we're going from operating room to now C-suite as a tech founder. So, you know, every tech founder, they have to have that elevator pitch down. So we're going to ask you to bring it. What is Mockingbird? Mockingbird is a software as a service platform that manages all of a healthcare provider's credentials and matches up education for them so that they're getting the right education at the right place at the right time. And why is that so important today? Quite a few reasons. First, the number of requirements is changing and increasing every year. This year, one of my licenses, State of Rhode Island, they added on Alzheimer's training for every single doc in the state. And it needs only needs to be done once, but these are things that come up as a surprise for people last minute. So they find out two weeks before it's due. I found out a number of years ago when the opioid requirement in the State of Rhode Island came up as eight hours. I found out two weeks before it was due, and that happened to be Memorial Day weekend. So you saw how my weekend was spent. And then to add insult to injury, I did all this education on random things that had nothing to do with orthopedics or spine because I was just grabbing education that I could find. And maybe it was cheap. Maybe it was expensive. Most of it wasn't very good content. So we're trying to make a process efficient, right? We're trying to say, listen, there's all these different requirements. You could go do one course and it's going to be a really good course that has to do with your practice. So it's germane. And now we can apply it to this requirement and that requirement and have things done in a timely way. So I don't feel like I'm just writing a check for a course. I'm getting education that makes me better at my job. So it's more efficient. I'm spending less time doing this stuff and more time taking care of patients, or by the way, being with my family, doing the things I love to do outside of work. We really want to do that. That's one part of it. The other part of it is that we need to be able to manage all of these documents in a way where I go to the airport, I step up to the clear terminal, right? It's all right there for me. I go through. We don't have that in healthcare. And we aim to be like the clear of healthcare, that we want to be able to manage all of this for people so they can walk up and don't have to worry about it. It's all taken care of in the background. Well, that was going to be my next question, Ian, and you beat me to it. The, it's so fragmented. And one of the things that I love that's uh, part of the overview for Mockingbird is that clinicians will know exactly which CME requirement is due by when 
and how to fulfill it before the due date. What was it like before Mockingbird was around? I, I can only imagine your life. It must have been completely fragmented. You didn't know when was due where and what. I mean, how was that a reality for so long? Was it just status quo again, what we talked about earlier? All last minute. It's basically spinning plates and it's all done last minute. You end up, what a lot of people end up doing is they do education. They learn things they already know, right? They go after something that's easy to access, easy to digest, maybe cheap to pay for, and is not pushing themselves academically to learn new things. And you end up in this status quo where you're not advancing your knowledge. You end up upset because you feel like you're just paying money to maintain a license that it feels like a money grab because you're not getting any value out of it. That's what we're really trying to turn on its head and say, it doesn't have to be this way. We can do it different. We don't have to say, stop the regulation because patients don't want to hear, oh, we're not going to expect our healthcare providers to learn new things and do education. That to me sounds crazy, right? Get rid of the boards. Well, let's make the process more efficient so that the boards work for us better. And yes, get rid of this fragmentation that's all over the place and start integrating these services. I have to imagine, too, here you are at the forefront leading this movement. I got to imagine the younger clinicians, the younger doctors that are coming up, they grew up with what? They grew up with that experience that you just described about clear experience at an airport, right? They grew up with mobile technology. This is just the fabric of who they are and the reality that they're used to. So I got to imagine they're going to probably... some point that tide's it's going to shift and it's going to be completely just expected and demanded in this marketplace. Would that be correct? 100%. We see that both in the way we care for patients. I can give specific examples in spine care. The new surgeons coming out, they're coming when we're recruiting people, they want to know what new technology we have to offer them. It goes the same way when it comes to how do they manage their practice. We have several new doctors in our practice and they expect efficiency in the work, right? And those tools exist out there, even beyond Mockingbird in other realms. There is no excuse anymore to not have the system streamlined so that we can get back to doing the things we were intended to do, which is take care of people. And so how's the reception been? What is it like in the marketplace? What's the feedback you guys have been getting? It's tough, right? I mean, I think that it's tough because we're still working against the entrenched, we think this is a nice to have, we don't think this is a must have. And that attitude over the past six to eight months is we've seen a distinct change in the winds all of a sudden. And maybe that's because people are talking about this great resignation that's coming, right? That the burnout is real and COVID Just like it pushed forward a lot of other things, it has pushed forward the feelings of burnout. But burnout sometimes is a clinical burnout, but a lot of it is, if you look at the reports that are done by the Institute of Medicine, multiple organizations that look at burnout, it always comes down to administrative burden. It comes down to things where people feel like they don't have anybody in their corner trying to help them get the work done that they need to get done so that they can practice their trade. That's where we feel like we're starting to see that, okay, hospital chief medical officer, if I can invest in my workforce and in my clinicians, that will reap me benefits because I'll 
potentially have better patient experience, better patient outcomes, happier providers, that leads to just a better healthcare organization. You're preaching to the choir on this end, my friend, because as you know, we've recently put together our partnership between Mockingbird and Olive. We're incredibly excited about it. As you know, we're on our mission to create the internet of healthcare for our nation. And we're right there with you, Ian. We've studied this very intently here at Olive. We have millions of healthcare workers that are basically being treated as human routers and wasting billions and billions, literal billions of hours a year on this kind of stuff, Ian. Imagine if we were able to put some of these things in place, which together we're going to do exactly that, to unleash that human potential and that human capacity and get these amazing healthcare workers out of the state of being a human router, doing the same stuff that absolutely technology can take care of. I'll step off my soapbox, but you got me fired up because the time is now, as we say, as Sean Lane, our CEO at Olive says, I know you guys do as well. The technology's here. Where we need to be innovating is the mindset. The technology's ready to go, innovate the mindset, and let's make it happen. Yeah, I feel like the past 20 years, innovation has really focused on widgets, right? On things, on actual devices. I feel like the next 20 years, we're innovating on process, right? Process is where we can start to bend a cost curve because we can figure out how to make the system more efficient. I mean, think about the fact that I can go to continuing medical education course, and there is no real way to assess the value of that course to me, to my patient, to my employer. That's crazy. But we've been doing it for years and nobody questions the fact that we just say, oh, it's kind of one of those things that we do. But we need to be able to measure these things. It's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Why not just put something simple in place? And I think that really thinking about it, Mockingbird right now, it's really in its most simplistic form. I do feel like there are so many avenues that will be able to help clinicians with their professional lives. And I feel like the days of it's about the data, it's about the data in a way. I don't want to use the data of how a clinician learns to use it against them or try to sell them something. I want to use it to make them better, right? To say, okay, this is what you do. This is maybe we include patient reported outcomes. This is where your patient outcomes are. You have blind spots. We all do. We know that maybe we can help them with their blind spots by introducing education that makes them better. Doesn't that just make you a happier person that you're doing a better job and you have a tool to do it? I love it. I love it. I love the passion too. This stuff doesn't fire you up whatsoever. I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. I love it. You kind of teed it up as well. You mentioned, hey, the next kind of 20 years are going to be around transforming process. I obviously couldn't agree more with you there either, given all the things that we're working on over at Olive. But let's boil that down just a little bit too, Ian. What's the next year and a half of this past year and a half? We've seen amazing transformation out of necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you see things heading over the next year and a half, two to three years, not just for the industry, but also with Mockingbird? Where are things heading? I mean, for the industry, it's similar to others, right? We're seeing a lot of consolidation in healthcare on the large organization side. With that, there's going to need to be a way to scale operations so that they can run more efficiently. And that's, I think, the thing that fortunately COVID has exposed certain healthcare organizations and systems that just aren't 
equipped to manage patients anymore, but something's got to fill that space, right? We can't just not take care of people. Keep trying to reduce utilization doesn't make sense. It's just bringing more efficiency. So that's what I do see as being the next five years of organizations saying, how can we become more efficient in delivering the care so that we can do it at a lower cost and just remain with the doors open, right? And so that's where Mockingbird really hopes to be in working with these organizations to say, we can manage all these rules for your providers, but then take it to the next level, working with credentialing companies to create for those organizations an integrated experience, having everything in one place so that they can start to move their workforce around One thing COVID taught us as well, right? We need to be able to be nimble in our operations to be able to mix and match pieces depending on what comes up. I think that everybody's pretty sure this is not the last time something like this is going to happen. And certainly in both of our lifetimes, how can an organization be more resilient by being able to move their pieces around and not say, we can't do any elective procedures anymore. How many miserable people we had out there that a gallbladder surgery was considered an elective procedure. That didn't feel elective to that person suffering with gallstones, right? That is where companies like Mockingbird hopes to have an impact to be able to give these healthcare organizations the ability to flex, And to help further that impact, Ian, and thank you for a little bit of that uh, roadmap of where things are going to be heading, but to further that impact for your team at Mockingbird, how can we be helping? What is one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that this amazing community that's rallied around this podcast, how they can be helping you? I would like them to continue that conversation of telling, you know, a hospital administrator, tell them about the docs, the nurses, the nurse practitioners that are leaving, that are fed up because... They don't feel like they have the people who control their professional lives in their corner. And it sounds harsh, but I feel like it's always been, oh, we are a resilient bunch. Resiliency has nothing to do with it. At some point, you feel like, why do I continue to bang my head against the wall when nobody is helping me just to do the job that I want to do? I would encourage keep talking to the administrators you know, to the organizations you know, to automate processes for tasks that take up people's time, take them away from doing the things they want to do, take them away from taking care of patients and make them want to just throw up their hands and leave healthcare, which is a terrible thing. Well, and if they want to further that conversation, of course, Ian, they need to be able to get a hold of you and the team. Where do we find you online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? My email, I would be happy for anybody to reach out to me, is ian, I-A-N, dot madam, at mockingbird.com. And Mockingbird has no K, so it's M-O-C for maintenance of certification, M-O-C-I-N-G-B-I-R-D. And we're on Facebook and LinkedIn with, if you type in Mockingbird, we're under my Mockingbird on Insta and at M-O-C underscore I-N-G-B-I-R-D. So at mock underscore Ingbird (laughs) on Twitter. Excellent. All those contact points will be in the episode notes. So in your favorite podcast player, just simply scroll down to click on through to get a hold of Ian and the Mockingbird team. Of course, always head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. 
We'll have a post there for Ian's episode where you can also leave comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise, and get a hold of all those contact points. Again, passionatepioneers.com. Well, Ian, I've been very bored today. Obviously, this has been a, a very dull conversation. We're going to just have to wrap this up. Jo- joking aside, an unbelievable time together. Have one more piece for you. We'll get you out of here. So fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I want clinicians to focus on what matters most. Talking about way to bring it home, Ian. Thank you. And we're going to continue to fight for them. We got to keep the fight, the good fight up. We got to keep causing good trouble, not taking no for an answer and not kissing the ring of orthodoxy. We can't keep doing what we've been doing. It time is up is we have to now think anew. We're ready to rock and roll. The technology's there. Let's change the mindset. And Ian, you are one of our leaders doing exactly that. So thank you for spending time with us today. I appreciate all that you're doing. Keep us posted on the journey. But for now, Ian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.